0: G, how does one speak truth to power? On this podcast, we do it in our art, through our music, in the poetry of our language, or by the comedy that we find in the darkness of days. The art on this show may offend, for we are imperfectly human and uncensored. We hope that the themes will enlighten as well as entertain for on the Truth to Power podcast, we wish to build enthusiasm for being connected. On this show, as I said, we're uncensored. We do practice self-censorship. One of the things we will do is we will speak honestly and openly. This is our opinions and there's some bias attached to that. But I hope it might get you to see the world from someone else's perspective and maybe even consider some of the perspectives of the ideas that we Introduce on this show. Thank you for listening. Go Why on. are you
1: pointing at me? Go ahead,
0: start us off, dude. You want to start us off? I'm a good finisher. I'm a slow starter. Oh, geez. Okay, then I'll start us off. <laughs> Here's your boy, Curious G. I got my man sitting across the way.
1: They call me Dirty B, Fuckboy Brett, whatever you want to call me. I've been called
0: worse by better fuck boy brett what do you think about the idea of weaponized attention
1: i know that i've weaponized it in the past hmm.
0: Hmm. we're not talking about it at a strip club right uh,
1: uh they like my money i don't like that
0: you know uh, well that's that's a topic for another day yeah we'll <laughs> that we're not really in the strip club conversation what about commodity fetishism
1: I I know the word commodity. I think I know the definition. It's where, I definitely know what fetishes are.
0: It's where we kind of worship certain things. Like think about shoes, man. Nike. Shoes. Right? Mike Mike Michael Jordan's, right? We we hold these items, these these products up. Kind of in our society as a little bit of identity for ourselves. I was just
1: about to say, how else could I show you what I'm about? Without you getting to know me, of course, I need to have brands.
0: You have to have a brand. I need to
1: label myself.
0: And and what kind of guy do you think I am? Based on what you've seen, not what you actually know. Do you want me to be honest? Fuck yeah. Be
1: honest, dude. Because I guess we're honest on this podcast. The truth power. When I first saw you, aside from my heart skipping a beat. Oh, geez. It, it would have to be how can I look that fucking fly at that age? (laughs) And the answer is I can't. But, you know, if it came to uh, any kind of style or label, genuinely couldn't give you one, man. One day you're dressed up looking fresh fresh to death and uh, looking like a fucking B-boy. The next day you're in a pea coat and one of those cool hats that I could never pull off.
0: You know but what? You know what it has been for me ever since I was you're,
1: a, you're just unashamedly you and I fucking love you about
0: it. When I was in in uh elementary school, like like 5th grade, 6th grade, right? I started to surf and like everything became like Vans and shit like mm-hmm. that, right? Even though it's skateboard stuff. And like I've kept like underneath my Seahawks shirt right now is a, a Hurley shirt, right? Like surf, skate, all that type of clothes. Most of what I have, even fucking dress pants that I have, believe it or not, or from a skateboard company, you know, <laughs> like if you get a little bit closer look and it's not, it's not um, trying to look fly necessarily. It's because they make really good goddamn clothes. Right. Shit that lasts, you know, and like I was a rough fucking kid, dude. Um but, you know, there's an identity that's attached to like what you said, the brand. yeah, right? So this is a little bit of that commodity fetishism is is there's some weaponized attention with our media today to get us to pay attention to things. But it's not really to enrich our lives. It's usually to sell us some products. And one of the things that's been unique about the last hundred years or so since media has really showed up on the scene, is there is a idea of who we are attached to products rather than the usefulness of a product. Have you ever heard any of this?
1: I've heard it. I've seen it. I've lived it and I get it. I understand it. I mean, I like to, I, I like to feel good about myself when I look in the mirror and a part of that some days stronger than others will be how I look and what my fit is, honestly. Um, One of my favorite MCs I like to quote is, my wardrobe is jeans and faded shirt, a mixture of what I like and what I wear to work. And if you look at me now, there you go. Beat up Carhartt long sleeve and some 501s that I didn't want to wear to work, but I did. So fuck, guess they're work jeans now. <laughs> but I get it I, I who's totally the get
0: MC it. dude huh that's brother Ali okay yeah dude I love me some brother Ali oh dude Uncle Sam God, God damn. damn best yes. best song so I have I have this uh Spotify playlist right it's called my Ace and um it's got my favorite favorite like hip-hop music on it right and most artists like I'll have one track from each artist that I really like. And um, and Brother Ali, it's like, I want to say the second or third track at the start of that motherfucker, dude, with Uncle Sam, Goddamn. Yep. The whole album start to finish is amazing. Dude, how can that motherfucker be so smooth?
1: I don't know, man. The first time uh, I got introduced to him was the first time I went and saw my, my number one slug atmosphere. I uh, was touring back in shit, like, oh four 4 or oh three 3 is when I first time I saw him, and Brother Ali was his, uh was he was just coming up at that time, and he played a song, Forrest Whitaker, that, yeah, you know, Gotta Love Me, that's, that's Good where the, track. Uh, that's that's where that line came from, and I fell in love, especially because I got to go and drink some beers with Sluggo back in the day, and my roommate went up and talked to uh, Brother Ali, and he was wearing, a, wearing an atmosphere hat, and first thing all he said was you know that hat's a fucking bootleg right support us don't support Mm -hmm. the cloners and just gave him dabs and shit was friendly but it was it was hilarious
0: you know it's even hard for me to hear atmosphere these days like people say it right love the band um when my daughter turned 21 on her birthday they were playing here in seattle Mm. i had tickets right uh, she had never been to a hip-hop show. She loved Atmosphere. I had been listening to Atmosphere since she was like probably in middle school. 2001 for me. Yeah, I was listening to him a long time. So it was like a dream concert, right? Um, they wouldn't let us in because that was back when there, it was the COVID thing and you oh, had to have right. the vaccination card to get in places, Um so fishing blues dropped. Yep. We we showed up on her 21st birthday, which is the day the concert was. And I had the tickets and they wouldn't let her in. So I tried to tell her how good the show was. Oh No, shit. I, I didn't go in. I didn't go in at all. I ate the fucking money, dude. It killed me. Um, the next year, though, I did take her to see The Roots, though, on her birthday. So oh, nice. it kind of came around and made up for it because that's my favorite rap artist of all times, but getting back to the spectacle, right? And that's kind of what we're talking about. There's a a, a philosopher, um, Guy Debord, right? Guy Debord said that the spectacle is the nightmare of imprisoned modern society, which ultimately expresses nothing more than its desire to sleep, to be put to sleep kind of, Mm. right? The spectacle is the guardian of sleep, This society eliminates geographical distance only to produce a new internal separation. So if you think about television, media, social media, you know, these things isolate us. And one of the things that they isolate us with is images more than anything. It isn't just the language, it's the actual images. Because that's what a lot of times are getting pushed with these products, right? Things that we can consume, things that we can buy, and in the process of being put to sleep every day watching the television, if if their whole weaponized attention is motivated to take our fucking money, <laughs> right, and sell us these products and keep us buying, right, this is kind of that commodity fetishism.
1: What are your superpowers again? I'm rich.
0: Well, exactly. It's the same thing as you sit there
1: and you see... I don't know insert the one same sex or opposite sex depending on what you swing for the one that you're not sexually attracted to but want to look like wearing the shit that they want you to buy you buy that you get the dopamine rush when you buy it online because ain't nobody going to stores no more it shows up in the package you get to rip it open like adult Christmas you put it on you realize oh fuck is the size wrong do they make it small no I got fat I look in the mirror I don't look good I need something else. You go back on, you see a different person. Oh, shit. I want to look like them. I want to be them. I want their life. Let me buy what they have. It shows up. It doesn't fit because you don't love yourself enough. You have body dysmorphia. So you rinse, wash, repeat. You fall into that horrible cycle of having an addiction to shopping. You got that fucking, oh, what do they call it? There's a name for that. I'm drawing a blank. My my brain and my mouth aren't really connected except for just being on my bullshit today. So I apologize. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> but that's, yeah, it's consumerism. It is, here's what we want you to buy. Let's slap it on something you want to be like. You're going to get it. You don't feel good enough. So rinse, wash, repeat, because we know how to give you your dopamine in just small enough increments to make you come back for more.
0: Well, actually, you're kind of hitting on some directions that I wanted to go in. So you're kind of thinking along the same way as some of these philosophers, actually, that I'm bringing out, right? Like the, the main dude is, is Guy Debord, um, which wrote something called The Spectacle. And that's kind of the way he framed our society. But what you just said about the, the celebrities and all that, I think that's really, really true, right? Like there is a new modern mythology with our world. If you go back a long time ago, what did, what did people use mythology for, right? Manic spending. I don't I just, think so. And retail therapy. No, Those were the didn't. words I was fucking looking for. Well, I'm talking about like Zeus and Apollo and all that kind of shit. What was Hades used for and all that shit, right? told you, bud, wasn't tracking tonight, but uh, <laughs> Hades. Well, like Zeus, they use these motherfuckers to explain a lot of times nature, this like stuff. why lightning happened, why thunder happened. Right?
1: Why, why rape is okay? Yeah, Zeus was fucked up.
0: Well, yeah, they they did a little bit of that too back in the day. Like I said, really having trouble tracking. <laughs> All right, so let me let me break it down like this. All right, if you consider the mythology of long ago, they explained a lot of times things in nature in the ancient world. Right, they explained storms, flooding, like Noah's Ark. Right, that's a mythology um, that happened in a lot of different cultures. Right, um, or why the the rebirth of the sun happened after a time of darkness. Like, right,
1: like Christianity, uh, Egyptian mythology. It's all the same It's all based around astrology If you trace it back far enough It's just a rehashed story But that that's a topic for another time
0: Well see all this was An uh, ancient type of mythology That was intended to kind of Guide society in a certain way Or explain things or, or, or these different things Right? Today we have modern mythologies And a lot of people aren't always Really aware of it But I think celebrities is kind of like The gods of today
1: Uh, The demons. Demon resurrection and those forces which roam the forest and dark
0: bowers of man's domain.
1: Or the demons.
0: Depends on which one you're following, I suppose. Uh, Flava Flave. He's just a crackhead. (laughs) I'd say he's more innocent. What did he he say? You can't give a baby steak? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) boy. That was one of his deep moments. He said some other shit like... um, I want a woman that when she wakes up in the morning, she looks good. If you were to press her face into the dough, it would look like a cookie you'd want to eat. <laughs> he says some women wake up in the morning. If you press their face into the dough, it looks like a gorilla cookie. <laughs> in the morning, if I'm pressing a girl's face into anything, it's going
1: to be my pillow. As long as the top of her head looks good, I'll be okay. Yeah, you Where's my shallow quote of the night.
0: And you wouldn't care if she looked a little bit like a gorilla. Uh,
1: you don't know what I like. Facing the pillow. Speaking of, I mean, this kind of tracks in the conversation. Uh, rewind like 12, 15 years ago. Fuck, I'm old. There was a reality show where real human beings were competing for his affection. Do you remember the Flavor of Love? Yeah, boy.
0: I think I do. I'm sorry. It's I never watched system. it, but I just, where I kind of knew about that was where they did the roast of Flavor Flav. <laughs> and I watched that shit because that-, that shit was funny.
1: And then they had that motherfucker that shares my name do it. And if you want to ruin our friendship, just call me Brett
0: Michaels. <laughs>
1: you can call me anything else. Call me the, the name of that quarterback that sent a bunch of unsolicited dick pics to reporters. That's okay.
0: Brett Favre. I, I like the Iceman, dude. That dude I,
1: was all right, dude. Go pack go when I'm fucking when the Seahawks are doing terrible and I want to be a Fairweather fan. Yeah, uh, my family's from there. But uh, you know yeah, the producer. Brett, Mich- Brett Michaels yeah
0: Mm. you know the our producer rob he's a diehard packer fan right we we've we've shared some love about the packers on this show a little bit him and i um but Uh, whoa phrasing there never mind well i back in florida one of my best friends was a packer fan so i watched a lot of packer games right Mm. um i was the miami fan but i watched a lot of packer games Watched a lot of Steelers games. One of my best friends was a Steeler fan. One of that was, friend is not a
1: friend. Well, shouldn't be.
0: He was a roommate. We were tight at one point in time. Yeah, I got a friend. The and they won fan a lot, too. to be honest, right? But um, this is kind of the point that I was working towards. Um, on on. The time that me and Rob have been working together, we wrote a song called Jawbreak Boys, which is all about the Seahawks, right? And here this Packer fan is <laughs> making music for the Seahawks, and dude, his shit is fire,
1: Man, dude. Rob's cool.
0: Hey, Lil Wayne's rendition of Black and Yellow
1: when he did it green and yellow was one of the fucking sickest songs that mm-hmm. hit the radio when they were going to the fucking Super Bowl.
0: Well, you know and this is this is commodity fetishism, right? We're selling some stuff here. Here I am selling the fucking Seahawks and I ain't even making no money off this shit. I'm sure yeah. dude made some money off selling the the fucking yellow and and gold, black and gold, is that it? Oh, green. it was green,
1: it was green and yellow. Green uh, and yellow. Yeah, black. well yeah, it was fuck was it two chains that made black and yellow? I don't remember who made the original. But yeah, Weezy changed it up to green and yellow uh, like 8 years back and it way better.
0: But these are our gods, getting back on topic, right? And some of the mythology sometimes isn't always obvious. Like, let's take Nike. Do you know the mythology of Nike? It's a Greek god. God Goddamn right. Greek goddess of victory, man. Mm -hmm. Um, So here's some of the things about Nike, right? Back in the 80s, Nike framed shoes, their shoes, as empowering women. And if women wore them, and this is where we attach identity to the products, not the usefulness of the products, but there's an actual identity, right? I was the surf kid that wanted to have the vans, right? That was kind of who I was, right? Yeah. Well, back in the eighties, Nike tried to frame their shoes as empowering women, right? Um, It really didn't go over very well, to be honest with you with the general population because the general population did a little research and found that the products was mostly being made by slave labor, mostly women (laughs) outside of the country. Oops, kind of went bad for them at that point. Then they kind of just transitioned into, you know, make you jump higher. Hey, Michael, <laughs> Michael Jordan wears these. Yeah, don't pay attention to this. But th- there's been a long history of attaching identity to products. And you know what's one of the most interesting in history with cigarettes. You know how cigarettes really kind of got started? Bet you're going to tell me. I bet you I am too. I just thought you might want to guess.
1: Mm. Uh, It's literally just going to be juvenile humor that I don't even
0: find funny, so I'll save it. Okay, early campaigns for cigarettes connected women that smoked with rebellion, of all things, Mm. that would empower women's rights, right? You could easily spot a woman that supports equality and freedom when you saw her smoking, Fuck
1: yeah. Was this started around like the first wave feminism or like of the war? Like Oh, long, long wars? time ago.
0: Dude, this is, this is like early days of media, right? This is like early 1900s. I want to say, I, okay. So in, in, be, in between the, the great
1: wars, like around the great wars time, yeah, that would actually, okay.
0: Yeah. In in fact, it was, um, before world war one that the United States really started to use the idea of the spectacle to get people behind things. Um, Most Americans uh, pre-World War I weren't interested at all in foreign relations. We didn't give a fuck what was going on over there. Big ocean between us. Why do we give a fuck, right?
1: Because Japanese women are fucking gorgeous.
0: Well, we might care about that. I do. But I'm talking about like foreign wars and shit, right? Like we weren't going to be somebody that would be involved in, in World War I without an effort to weaponize our intention. Right, They weaponized our attention with the media of the day to get us to care about this war. And it got a lot of support. Same thing happened in World War II. A big thing in World War II was they wanted women to go to work and do a lot of the jobs that men weren't doing because it freed up a man to go over and fight in World War II. Did you ever hear any of that shit?
1: Oh, yeah. I know. I My World War II history knowledge is... I don't think I drank, drug, fought, and did everything else to fuck my brain up to lose a lot of that. But I studied World War II history very extensively throughout my elementary, middle, and high school. Okay, because I I had direct family in that war. Um, one that I knew about. Well, actually, I had two. One that I've known about my whole life, and one dirty family secret that, uh, that I uncovered uh, in the last couple of years, and that's, that's interesting too.
0: I've, um, I've got to know. Are you going to tell us?
1: anybody wants to look up a man named Friedrich Schultz, uh, also known as Fritz, He was a panzer battalion commander that invaded Normandy. Um, He was not SS. He fought in both world wars. He was a soldier. I don't feel great that I have direct bloodlines to a Nazi at all, but very interesting part of my history. You know, there are sins of the father, but... mm, I'm the guy that if there's somebody wearing red and white on his arm doing a salute in public, I'm probably going to fucking sucker punch him. So, but yeah, no, that's interesting. My, my uh, great grandpa, my grandpa, John, God rest his soul. Uh, he was, he fought in, oh God, what was it? It was uh, not Karen Tan, uh, big, big war part Germany fight had lots of crazy (laughs) gun things lived killed nazis good man pile of shit man actually uh he was everything that i aspire not to be uh if and when i age but you know what he was a patriot and he fought for his country so god bless him for that
0: it was an intense time back then dude
1: yeah he was a He was, I mean, I'm, I'm a creepy, I'm a creepy middle-aged man, but man, he was a fucking creepy old man.
0: You know, I kind of, I kind of think like that whole world war two time was some of the best of us and some of the worst of us. Sure. I I mean, okay. I think go ahead. Well, so one of the things that happened in World War II, e- even before the war really happened, there was a lot of people that were getting away from Europe because it was a dangerous fucking place. Mm-hmm. Well, this is really what kind of led Hollywood to be what Hollywood became, which we led the world in films and television and all that. And Propaganda. One of the, well, no, we, propaganda, part of it. But one of the reasons is a lot of the best directors... And people making films at the time left there to come here because they felt like it was safer. Let's go and make
1: the greatest war movie ever! Yeah! 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 Yeah.
0: This is really what made Hollywood. Mm -hmm. We got the best of the best of the best, a lot of directors from around the world, right? And even though that became one of the best things about America... Was was our ability to create such good films compared to a lot of the world? It was also like a time that they really honed their skills in in propaganda, right? Which brings me back to the idea of um, some of the mythology that we created at World War II. Uh, Rosie the Riveter. Do you remember who mm-hmm. she was? Well, of
1: course, yes, we can.
0: Yes, we can, dude. Um, and so this was some of the propaganda that that was sold to you know American women back back in the days of. Uh, World War II, right? Here's one of the slogans they had. The girl he left behind is still behind him now.
1: Mm, they're yeah. just not talking about that that mailman that's behind her <laughs> well, right then.
0: I'm sure the mailman loved it during World War II because they were uh, probably right behind Rosie the Riveter. Rain or shine, baby.
1: Rain or shine.
0: But here was the idea. You know, um, women empowerment. Women can work. Yes, we can. We can do it, which is... Not bad stuff.
1: No, it's terrific. First wave feminism is literally one of the things that saved America.
0: But all this came through a lot of propaganda, right? And there was films and stuff to support this. But you know what happened right after World War II came to an end?
1: Uh yeah. A sailor came home and took that iconic picture of him having that arm that that nurse slung over his arm, that big passionate kiss. What? they didn't tell you is he just grabbed a random nurse and forced himself upon her. So it was at this moment that he knew he fucked up.
0: Could you do that back then as a white dude coming back from fucking world war II? I think you could, that was legal. Wasn't it?
1: I'm pretty sure you could do that. And at the same time, (laughs) dropping a hard R and probably (laughs) kicking anybody. Yeah. Taking another minority and kicking him in the teeth. And, yeah, it it would be okay back then.
0: It was a different world. It was a different world. A simpler
1: time. Right.
0: Now, now what I'm actually specifically talking about is film noir. Are you familiar with film noir? I am. Okay. Do you remember the female characters of film noir? Uh, The femme fatale character. Oh, yeah. That was where they kind of created the femme fatale character. You're talking was... about fetishes,
1: and there you go. You just fucking
0: pegged one of Ooh. mine. That is
1: why my relationships
0: oh, don't turn out great. They are hot, dude. I, You know, Jessica Rabbit, dude? Oh, fuck. That's, that's femme fatale all day, right? And, like, what'd she say?
1: I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way.
0: And, and this was the way that those characters were written. And this was the reason when World War II was over and the men came back... They didn't want the women working anymore. They wanted to put baby back in the box.
1: Yeah. And that that movie still gives me hope to this day that if a half-retarded, ugly rabbit can score something like that, there means there's hope for a guy like me yet.
0: Well, you know, Roger was a cool motherfucker, rabbit, dude. I'm just saying.
1: Yeah. He, one thing I got on that fucking rabbit is definitely a sexier voice. <laughs> well, I don't know.
0: It's a matter of perspective, really. But, you know, with the uh, femme fatale character, right? Like, this is is the character in a nutshell, right? She was going to lead down a dark path and was going to end badly, usually for herself, but also the main male character. Take me
1: along for that ride, baby.
0: Yeah. So any women that... um, had some individuality, had a direction that they wanted to go, they were going to be trouble for you, you know? Um, so, it, and, you know, I think that, I think the, the women of the day probably didn't buy into that shit too much because it wasn't, what, not too long after that, that there was a lot of um, women that were just done with the old narratives, you know, but that mythology was kind of pushed on people at that time. Um, what's interesting is you look at a time that feminism really kind of reached its height, right? What, what would you say? 60s, 70s?
1: Uh, are I mean, in the 60s and 70s, there was a big media push with it, with the hippie movement, the burning of the bras, all of that. Um, I would say it reached its peak, its peak in World War II when it comes to what I would consider its peak, because at that point... That was the one where women saved America. The second one I would say is where women saved themselves. I'm not going to comment on the waves that happened afterward because, you know, I have respect for strong females in my life and. Third and fourth wave feminism is a fucking joke to me. I'm sorry. There I fucking said it. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. Well, here if I- you're gonna fucking cry and freak out about the fucking outfits that people wear on video games and try to cancel companies over that, make your fucking own. Shut the fuck up and do something good in your life. Don't get on t- if you're getting on Twitter to change the fucking world, just Damn! but I digress. I love
0: everybody. See, now I, I, I actually think that World War II period, it had the full support of our system, right? This was part of the spectacle. They were going to sell these images and some of the propaganda because at the time they did want women to go to work because they did want the men over there in fighting. And they did want the economy to keep going. But as soon as that war ended, the media had the big push to change the narrative. Um, and I think what you're talking about when it became more of a civil rights thing that started to happen organically, um, there was some pushback then in films, you know, um, remember the movie, the exorcist. I do. And I
1: know exactly where you're going with, this. where
0: am I going with this?
1: Ah, uh, probably from the original
0: one to the new one. No, 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 oh. no, no, no! I'm actually going to go to the original Exorcist film, right? Um, so in horror movies, there's always a sin that invites evil in in some kind of way. Horror films a lot of times deal in metaphors, right? Like, like the the Amityville horror, right? It's a metaphor for for a sick mind. A home is always seen as the mind of somebody, right? And the Amityville horror is that that mind is mental illness, right? Yeah.
1: Drag Me to Hell is about bulimia. Um, yeah, all of them are pretty serious metaphors. Well, The
0: Exorcist, what was interesting, that came out during a time that um, women were leaving um, their, their stay at home. I'm going to be a wife and take care of the family and go into work right? The main character there, she was a successful actress. She had divorced her husband, right? And um, if you remember the little girl, Regan, I think her Mm -hmm. name was, she had a birthday coming up. And I remember her mother said, uh, Chris, I think was her mother's name in the the film. She said, oh, this year I'm actually going to get to spend your birthday with you because we don't have to work that day. As if, She had to work. She would still put her career first and not her own child. She wasn't putting her child first. She wasn't putting her husband first, right? This is what invited the evil and the darkness into her life, right? Because she was a a faithless, you know- Non-subservient, strong woman. Yeah, she was all these things. Um, So if you really follow that whole idea of exorcist, this is where she kind of went wrong, and this is how the evil got invited in. Um, but you know, that was a lot of times, uh, it slipped under the radar for people when they're watching it. And this is the intention under the radar for me too. And this is the intention of a lot of horror movies is when you're in fear, you're highly susceptible to some of the narratives, right? Like the original, um, invasion of the body snatchers Mm -hmm. came out in the fifties. Right. Um, and there was a commentary about communism. If you fall asleep, Right, Like if you fall asleep on this whole American thing is what the underlying message was, um, that's when you could be susceptible to become one of them. What was one of them? They look like Brett, they sound like Brett, but all of the individuality is gone. The thing that makes them them is gone. Well, that was the communism. This came out during the McCarthy area, the Red Scare. So there was a, there was a spectacle here that we're watching in film with an underlying message that's meant to give us some kind of a reaction, right? And a lot of these stories, they they escape us. Um, the slasher films of the '80s—it was always the virgin girl that that survived to the end, but the girls that took part in sex and drugs, or the boys that did—what happened to them? Oh,
1: they're first to die. Yeah.
0: So in the '80s, it was just say no. You know, and you can live, right? Unless
1: you were a brother, because then you were going to be the first to die in those movies. But they were fucking.
0: Brothers but, were fucking. Were they in those? They, they were doing drugs. They were drinking. They were fucking. The only one that wasn't doing none of that shit was always the final girl, right? She was always like, no, no, no.
1: Yeah. And as much as I hate narratives and any kind of agenda, either whether it be good or bad as much as I despise all of those, I love tropes and mm. my God, the one thing horror movies are doing right these days is taking a trope, just dragging it out until they're about to pull the trigger on it. And then just leaving you blue balled over it. And God <laughs> it might be my love for edging or it might be my love for tropes. The mm. answer is yes to both. Uh, I just fucking love that. There is self-aware shit in this world still and yeah i just i feel like that's the that's just that's the antithesis of of agenda is just sitting there running you under one direction and then just blatantly taking you another subtleties subtleties good in a few things in life i suppose i i like abrasive honesty and i don't like things trying to finesse me And like you said about the fear and all of that, you are incredibly correct. When you are living in any sort of fear, you are susceptible to knee jerk reaction. You will sit there and use nothing but your heart. You'll shut your mind off and Mm -hmm. your analytic powers are taken from you. I've been, I have been balls deep in fear in a lot of times in my life and looking back on how I handled situations You can't see the forest through the trees.
0: It's the world we live in now. And this is part of what uh, Guy DeBord said was trying to put us to sleep, right? Um, Was the spectacle. It's all the things that we watch. It isn't just the films that we watch. It's the commercials that we watch. It's It's, the food that we eat. Yes. It's It's
1: everything that isn't organic person to person.
0: You, know, you even talk about the food that we eat right like hmm. if if you're buying organic all the time you're connecting to a certain identity yep right so
1: gmos the- aren't fucking bad for you don't spend the extra money on that shit unless you want to sit there with your fucking tits out and your chin high when you buy it thinking look at how look at all of these people that think i'm a better person and i'm so healthy for eating this and if you don't take it home, it's like doing CrossFit. I swear, like you're going to tell somebody about it if nobody saw you.
0: Mm. So this is the spectacle. And I do want to steer us towards celebrity in a second. But before I get Good there, be- before I get there, I want to say one more quote by Guy Debord, And then I want to talk about the digital self. But here's his quote. The spectacle is the leading production of the present day society. The reigning economic system is a vicious cycle of isolation, right? Um, one One of the big products that we've bought in the last 20 years has been cell phones, right? And one of the biggest byproducts of having cell phones is seeing the world through a screen, especially social media. And we've created the digital self. And we're watching these celebrities that are also the digital self. It's not a human being that you have an interaction with. You know, through most of society, people have had face-to-face interactions. But now, most of our interactions are with people that we don't see face-to-face.
1: That is precisely why I took a giant break from social media, and now I use it very intermittently to post a funny-ass meme. I don't And that's about it. And and keep connected with some of the people that, you know, I don't really want to hear their voice on the phone. I'd rather just shoot them a message. I'll be honest. But the biggest thing with all of that, like the one thing that I'll never download again, at least for a personal account, depending on what my business model has to look like soon, is Instagram. Mm. Because there is nothing more fake than Instagram. It is... An, it's a dick measuring contest where you can't even post <laughs> your fucking dick. Trust me, you get your account banned when you do that. Ask me how I know. But the biggest thing I have a problem with on that is if, if you're just a person posting all of the best things in your life, cool, you know, good on you, you know, hopefully you get all those likes you need for your dopamine release, but following celebrities.
0: Hey, Stan, isn't that Tom Cruise? Huh? Huh? Oh, wow, it is. Hey, guys, check it out. Tom Cruise is a fudge packer. What did you call me? Hey, that is Tom Cruise. How come you're packing fudge, Mr. Cruise? I'm not a fudge packer. Dude, you don't have to be ashamed or anything. But I'm not a fudge packer. Then why are you packing fudge?
1: I, I don't see the reason unless you just need some fat material and you're trying to... Follow what you know, whatever gets your fap off, and insert whatever things you're into. But if you're following somebody because they're a celebrity and you like that celebrity enough to want to see how they live on a daily basis, all you're going to do is see shit that you are not currently accomplishing, what you covet. And what you cannot have.
0: That's it. That's exactly what this is about. dude. And that's
1: exactly why that shit gets posted. Do you know how fucking miserable most celebrities are? Why do you think there's a big smile on their face and then they fucking off themselves the next day? It is their job to look better than you. And when their job is to look better than you, why do you think they get paid for that? Do you think it's the ad revenue? Do you think it's money? No, it's to keep you subservient to what they wear, what they buy, what they eat, what they promote, and keep you fucking miserable because you can't obtain that fucking horrible life that they
0: have. Who would you say is the biggest female singer today? T-Swift. Okay. I, w- I would agree with you. I. I dig a little bit Beyonce myself.
1: I'm a talking personal preference, because...
0: <laughs> but I'll, I'll dig into Taylor Swift in a second. And that's who I actually thought of, too, because I've, I, I've paid attention over the last week to which names I heard in the world of, of entertainment, and hers was the one I've heard the most. To be honest, I would dig into T-Swift,
1: too. I would make sure that bitch wrote three albums about me, and it would be <laughs> my
0: fault. <laughs> Okay, so one of the questions I had in my head when I started to think about Taylor Swift, this was the first question that I had. She's a good looking girl. I don't know really a lot of stuff she sings, but I do find her attractive, right? But what I I did think of is I wonder how many women look not quite as good to sing better that can write great songs. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to find like the ugliest female singers, right? So I'm like trying to find that out. I'm like trying to put it into my phone, right? What's the top 10 ugliest female singers? And this is actually the the article that came up. The Lizzo,
1: top- I don't care who gets mad, Lizzo.
0: No, no, no. The, the actual first thing that came up when I typed that shit in was the top 10 ugly singers that get by with their hot bodies. So they have to have a hot body if they're ugly in the face. And dude, I'm sitting there looking down that list. I'm like, some of these are yummy. And I don't think it's just the body, dude. <laughs> like they had Pink on the list. I felt bad for Pink. Oh my God. I Pink's know. like in
1: my top three. Oh
0: yeah. Michelle he,
1: yeah, Pink dude. and Michelle Rodriguez, I am painfully fucking in love with. I would play the woman in that relationship and I would smile all the way fucking through it if they let me fucking step on me, mommy. God
0: damn. I'm just saying the back of her head should sure look pretty. I mean, yeah. really, from every angle that I've seen. I was about her. to say, you talk, you talk like that about my girl one more time, I'm coming across <laughs> this fucking room at you. Okay, but here's the thing, and this is an issue for me, to be, be honest with you, is, is we don't really rise to the top by just pure talent. No. It's the image Right, it's the image, and this is one of the the issues that I have with the spectacle, which is our form of media today. Right, um, if you think about all the things that that um, Taylor Swift is actually a part of, this is the next thing I wanted to look at.
1: Do you know what right? those Kels jerseys fucking went for after she showed up as as his fucking slam piece for one game? Oh yeah, dude. Fuck. Oh, I don't know how
0: much they are, but I'm just saying I can imagine
1: the sale. It was like something like an eight thousand percent increase in sales, if not. And I'm lowballing these numbers for like the like two weeks until the next game where she didn't show up, and then it was he was like fucking yesterday's news.
0: And this is the point: we don't have people that we attach ourselves to um, as celebrities for the sake of their talent alone. They are in a lot of ways a brand right? Um, Taylor Swift individually and through her company tasks rights management currently owns over 200 U S trademarks over 200. I believe it. You know, she has perfume and clothing lines and this and that. I mean, she's a brand, right? That's what she is. Now imagine amount of, of time and energy that she could put into, I don't know, Bringing some attention to things like veteran suicide.
1: No, no, she couldn't because, (laughs) oh, she has just as much time now uh, to do that as she would if she didn't have any of those because it's her fucking team that does all of that. It's her fucking puppeteers.
0: But they're not working for that.
1: And if you sit there and she decides to go on some self-thought thing like helping you know, veteran suicide, that could be a conflict of interest with okay, this, if this offends somebody, fuck you, but I don't mean it to, um, like, oh, the, the, the far left, you know, the, the really anti-establishment, anti-government, anti-military. She couldn't do that because it would be a hot button topic.
0: Exactly. Exactly. This is the point, you know, um, it isn't necessarily, that we're, we're attaching ourselves to celebrities that we value their integrity or what they actually have to say, right? Um, a lot of these celebrities are selling shit. You know how many celebrities I've seen in just regular-ass commercials in the last 10, 15 years? I mean, big celebrities. Kevin Hart, he's doing fucking commercials uh, on the Seahawk game that I watched tonight for, for DraftKings or some shit, right? Oh, this yeah. Is, this is a big celebrity right? Everybody knows these people. Used to have people on commercials that, you know, who didn't know who the fuck they were. They were just some random ass goddamn actor trying to make it into the business. But now it's like all these big name celebrities that are popping into commercials. And why? Because they're a brand. Kevin Hart's a brand, right? Uh, Tom Hanks is a brand. When you think of Tom Hanks, what kind of person do you think he is based on what you've seen?
1: I couldn't tell you off of based on what I've seen.
0: I think he's kind of a wholesome dude, kind of intelligent, Hmm. right? He could be. That's the impression I have by the films he's done. I don't know nothing about his life. Maybe I'm wrong, right?
1: And then he met Jenny.
0: (laughs) Now, don't fuck with Jenny, dude. Jenny's my girl. I'm not a forest dude at all. I like me some Jenny. You won't marry me. You don't want to marry me. Why don't you love me, Jenny? I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. But you take the digital world. Brad Pitt, right? I've never met this dude. I have a certain opinion of Brad Pitt. I like his films, right? That's what I like. I like his films. I like his acting. I believe him when he acts. But you know what? He's got a team of people that make him look good. They've got, He's got a team of people that make him sound good. And when I see him in a film, he's up on this big screen. He's 40 foot fucking tall, right? We gather together in a dark fucking room at a movie theater and don't talk and watch the spectacle play out in front of us. And these are the gods of the world.
1: Well, yeah, Brad Pitt is a god and... It's one of the reasons I'm mad at God is because he knows what Angelina Jolie's butt smells like. So,
0: Ooh. I you
1: drink a gallon of the pee just to see where it came from. I'll be honest, but You
0: know Angelina was all right, but me, gimme Janet for Aniston. But yeah, yeah, I'm, just yeah. I'm, I'm
1: thinking back. I don't know what movie that was, but where uh, where Angie played? She was in the Nut House and she played that crazy chick. Was that girl interrupted? It was. Oh yeah. my God. If I had a type, it was hard. <laughs> Fuck, I need more counseling.
0: Okay. So we just went down this little rabbit hole of of celebrity fetish, right? And what is it about them? It's the beauty, right? It's not who they are as people. We're buying the products. We're right there with them. Me, I'm a Selma Hayek guy. Everybody yes, knows that. Yes, we Everybody do. knows I'm buying some Selma Hayek. Give That's me, my-
1: Give me Letty. Sh- ooh. Give me Letty. And fucking, oh God, Michelle Rodriguez.
0: But here's the question, and this is the question. Okay, so so we got the real world and the digital world. Which one has more power today? The digital world or the real world? Digital. Where do people know more people? Digital. The digital world. Do you think that- They say that the average person knows 150 people in their life. That's how many they interact with, right? 150. Um, Most people have more than that on their contacts. Used to. When you're talking about social media, phone contacts, right? But think about how many people you actually know when it comes to that stuff compared to how many celebrities you know, sports figures, rock stars, politicians, religious leaders right living in that digital world people you've never talked to that that you pay attention to you want to know when they are fucking dead you want to know who they're married to (laughs) right like are we fucking nuts dude are we nuts yeah oh yeah
1: yeah definitely
0: for multiple reasons but this is the spectacle and this is what this is what Guy Debord talked about as the vicious circle of isolation is we're actually being isolated from real relationships because we're paying attention to brands <laughs> media mass medium right M- media comes from the word medium i don't know if you knew that a lot of people don't realize that nope mass medium Creates a technology of human consciousness. That's interesting. Huh. A technology of human consciousness. It's a representation of human consciousness. And in some ways, like all of us paying attention to the gods of our world, these celebrities, like we've gone into a type of technological superconsciousness. All set What's with a cut cord.
1: That's for effect. It's almost like. Matrix. We're we're coming to a singularity and. uh, Either the veil gets lifted or. We just stay stuck in this loop and go even fucking deeper. I'm still not like the whole thing. uh, Perception is reality. Seeing is believing, but not in
0: this world anymore, man. Dude, if you consider the celebrities that we know, but we've never met, including politicians, religious leaders, sports figures, um, I would guess we know more people that aren't real to us that have some kind of um, impression made upon our lives than people that you've actually met, the things that people you've known have said, right? Like if we went down the list of of great quotes by people that you'd know, I bet'd be a lot less than than the fucking movies we watched. Like we could probably go through. Never go, never go full retard, right? We know where the fuck that comes from. <laughs> be right? tropic.
1: Uh, that's Tropic Thunder. Yeah. You had
0: me at hello. Well, not you personally, but the you same. You don't got to lie to kick it,
1: but <laughs> there's a reason I'm in your bedroom at fucking ten o'clock I at mean, night. Come on now.
0: Oh Jesus Christ! But it's this is it. This is the spectacle and celebrities. They are. They are the torches that light the way through this dark fucking world, man.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> the funniest ass backwards analogy I've heard all night.
0: Well, I think that this is the issue. I think that this is the new religion. it is 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 media. You know, you mm-hmm. you you go back a long time ago, uh, Nietzsche said that religion is the opioid of the masses. And we this talked about this we talked about this once before it's
1: more addictive than fucking drugs
0: it is it is well
1: well story for another time but yeah it is i've i've witnessed people with severe 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 addictions to media of all so of all sorts social media and people say they like to be happy but people are most comfortable in wallowing in their shit and in their echo chambers and when people when they can get a group of people together to be upset they think that's what makes them happy mm. and social media is a very good catalyst for this you'll never see me on twitter that place is the if, if there is if there is a fucking Hell, I do believe it's on X or Twitter or whatever. And it's, I don't know. I just think it's a sad way to live, to tell you the truth.
0: Well, you know what I think is coming? I think that we're not very far away from living inside of a virtual reality.
1: What makes you think we aren't already?
0: Well, there's some conversation to have on that, but that's a big kettle of worms right there. We
1: better have multiple episodes to jump on that because. You can see a theme starting from my input in these last couple fucking episodes. Well, if
0: you're really interested in that as a listener, um, check out the Quantum Research Gravity Center. They do some really interesting work on that whole idea of a simulation. And in fact, they are closer than anybody so far in creating a unified theory. They've proven string theory wrong, and they are working out the math to create this new perspective on things. So just a side note, Quantum Research Gravity gravity center they're up on youtube they make very accessible videos for the average person to watch almost and you might to actually think that we're in a simulation after you watch a few of them but that's not what this conversation is about um, i think that we're actually going in a direction that it won't be very long before we're living with those little vr fucking things on our heads some of us already are and but i i all right here's the thing right Imagine you're in the VR world. Yeah. Imagine you can knock boots with Selma Hyatt. Well, imagine I could. Would I ever get out of my room? I'd probably wouldn't. <laughs> I'd probably starve to death with that motherfucker. Me and Selma, we would be just fine. <laughs> but. Be a fucking weird
1: eulogy to write for you, bud.
0: We've had these cell phones since 2007, right? 2008, something like that. And, and, the suicide rate among teens is incredible today because we're living through our phones. Imagine when we can actually live inside of our head mm. and live in that digital world. And that digital world can be whatever you want it to be.
1: Or whatever they want it to be for you.
0: Whatever they want it to be for you. This is population control. People won't be fucking anymore. Look at Japan. Yeah.
1: Touched on that in an earlier,
0: on an earlier podcast. Dude, I like fucking. Uh, that's all right. <laughs> I'm just saying, some interesting things happen when you're fucking. Did you know that your heartbeat synchronizes with the person that you're with? Did you know that? I heard that. Dude, the body is an amazing thing. But but the other one has to be alive for that. Well, usually, yes, that helps. <laughs>
1: I was I was talking I was talking about a sex doll, certainly not a corpse. There.
0: Ah, I thought you were talking about Spitfist. It's rare that I'm at a loss for words. (laughs) This is starting to devolve and we are running out of time.
1: It's getting late and I've been on my bullshit heavily today. Like I said, sorry, not sorry. It'll probably get worse next week.
0: Just out of curiosity, what's your favorite celebrity of all time?
1: Oh, of all time?
0: Yeah. Somebody that had a lot to say to you personally.
1: Fuck, I don't Uh, know them it's like i was trying to think of something funny didn't happen something honest definitely didn't happen
0: favorite celebrity of all time could be a singer a sports athlete doesn't have to be a fucking singer could be a religious leader maybe you're that dude <laughs> i'm maybe, not that dude. maybe maybe you're a trumper are you a trumpet are you a politician dude do you like them motherfuckers uh-huh. mona Winsky who do you like dude come Ooh. on tell me give me something Sting. See, Lorena Bobbitt's
1: pretty fucking... She was hardcore. She was all right. Trifling ass dude cut his dick off in his sleep. That's, yeah, that's pretty cool. Ah, oh, fuck. Honestly,
0: I'd probably have to go with Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Dude, you know Iron Maiden wrote a song about them. Tears huh? of the Clown. Yep. Dude, Fucking, I saw the concert. They were talking about that shit at the concert. Uh-huh. Iron Maiden, dude. Tears of a Clown. Yeah, if you I've, don't know... I've seen Bruce more than a couple times live. Oh, I stopped... Dude, I... I caused him to stop his concert, personally. You show him your tits? No, I did not. So, I want to say this is back in 1988, right? Uh, yeah,
1: it was a good concert. I was there.
0: This no, is, I, would
1: have, this, I would have been four, so. So, this
0: is back in 1988, maybe 1987. I'm not exactly sure. I had surfed all fucking weekend, and I had really, really bad sun poisoning, I had blisters all over my back from being on my surfboard. As a fucking redhead, freckled kid in Florida that surfed all the time, I was sunburned a lot. But this was extra bad because the waves were fucking great, right? Like if there's an offshore storm, like a tropical storm, the waves would be fucking insane. And you only got a few of these a year. So you rode that motherfucker as much as you could. And that was that weekend. And my girlfriend and I were out surfing all fucking weekend we go to the show now my girlfriend at the time i told you this she was a black belt in taekwondo she took junior champion um i think that year uh national title right uh badass motherfucker she wanted to go down into the pit she's a cute girl very good looking girl you would not expect her to be able to do the shit that she did right but she was also tough as fucking nails. That's
1: why I fell in love with strong women. Was oh, in my black belt academy? The, dude, I've only been knocked out by women, and I was knocked out cold a couple times. She
0: was goddamn sexy to me, but, and she wanted to go she's into. She's
1: sexy to me, and I never even met her. Fuck, oh.
0: she'd still be sexy in her seventies or however Old fucking old you are. She wanted to go to the pit of the Iron Maiden show, and nice. I was fighting that shit because of my sunburn. Right. But then. I don't know what happened. We had some kind of conversation. Like maybe she called me a pussy. Mm. Mangina. I don't know how the conversation went. All I know is my fucking bully started to talk shit to me. Ah. My dick said, man, you need to get the fuck out there and quit being a little bitch.
1: I'm not sunburned. Let's go. Yeah, pitter patter.
0: You know, and I I couldn't really dissuade the bully because he knew that we were going to probably have sex with her that night. So him and I, we walked out into the fucking pit. And dude, I went off down there. Like I went into the mosh pit. That's when mosh pits were really kind of starting. Oh yeah. Right? And I didn't feel any pain during the song Trooper. The second the the song ended, it was like so much pain came on my body and I felt like I was going to pass out and I thought I was going to get trampled to death. So I didn't have enough strength to push my way out. I was about to pass out the only thing I could think to do was start to punch everybody in my area. <laughs> like literally, it went from a mosh pit to me punching everyone in the face that I could reach. And I give a fuck who they were. I was not gonna get trampled to death at that moment. I was just trying to create some space around my body. Now what happened was, is other motherfuckers started to punch people and all of a sudden there's a big ass fight at an Iron Maiden concert. <laughs> Iron Maiden already started to play the next song, but they never even made it through the song. They stopped the concert. (laughs) And Bruce Dickinson started to give everybody some shit. He's like, this is not fun. We came here for a show. And he started to give us that shit, right? And everybody just stood there and got some shit from Bruce Dickinson. And I (laughs) snuck the fuck out. I listened to what he was saying while I snuck past all the people I just punched in the face, (laughs) knowing that they weren't paying attention to my ass.
1: That's amazing. Real quickly on that, uh, about fights in the pit, uh, me and my friends got noticed, uh, we got shouted out on VH1 by Fred Durst back in the day when Napster, there's the Napster thing, the Mm. Limp Bizkit versus Metallica thing that was going on back in the day. Okay. Uh, me and my buddies, when they finally decided to tour together, uh, it was Summer Sanitarium, I think like oh six oh five. There was it was it was Limp Biscuit and Metallica that was playing there, and me and all of my buddies dressed up in all of our metalhead gear and showed up there. And we had a big old banner that said "Fuck Fred" and <laughs> rolled it out in the middle of the pit when Limp Biscuit came on and turned our backs to him, and some frat boys ran down and ripped the sign down. And there was a knockdown, drag out, fucking fight in the middle of that pit with about, I don't know, between 15 to 20 people all going at it. We all got our licks in. It was quite the show. And this was right after Limp Biscuit had that fucking concert at uh, Lollapalooza where they tore the whole fucking stage to shit. So, needless mm. to say, they didn't stop the show for it. Afterwards, we all walked and licked our wounds and uh, at Denny's and we all said the same thing. Fuck, that was fun. Fuck Fred Durst, but God damn, he could put on a really good live show. Mm. And yeah, two years later, VH1, Fred Durst was interviewed. And uh, yeah, he's talking about the Fuck Fred Club that happened at Seattle, Washington. And uh, he's was like, yeah, those kids got crazy. So yeah, been there. Done that. Wouldn't do it again. Love both bands now, but I'm old. I listen to dad rock. So
0: that's got to have been an awesome fucking moment. That show, dude.
1: I, it's, yeah. I mean, I was, I was a little elevated on on a little bit of dope and a little bit of booze, but I do remember it pretty vividly because, you know, you'd snap out of your drunk when you get punched in the eye really hard. So it was fun. Good Mm. time. Good times in the early 20s.
0: You know, as far as the celebrity for me, I'm tempted to say Jim Morrison because he had such a huge impact on my life, huh. right? Um, and, and I'll say this, when I was young, I thought a lot of the stuff that was in my head was um, it didn't fit in with everybody else because I never heard anybody say the shit I was thinking about, right? And um, when that Doors movie first came out, uh. I was in my 20s, I watched that motherfucker. I, I fucking, it, it spoke to me. Jim spoke to me. Um, I read the book that the drummer wrote. And in the book, he talked about all the things that Jim Morrison would read about. And I started to read all the stuff that he wrote about. And when I started to read all this stuff, I started to realize that there was a lot of people that thought like me. It's just that wasn't the people I knew. Right? I came up around fucking criminals and shit. Surfers. Fucking... Horrible people, really. <laughs> and the conversations we had was nothing like what I was finding in these books. So um, I'm in college at the time and I'm reading all this stuff like fucking um, William Blake, who actually is what motivated these two albums, right? The, the Marriage of Heaven and Hell. And right, right now we're in the midst of hell. But Jim Morrison was probably the guy that had the biggest impact on my life. But I would actually say the guy that I really liked the most would be Oliver Stone. As a director, he has made some statements about the world. He made that film with, with Jim Morrison, right? Um, he he has this way of, of changing the way that I see the world with his films. And he's an interesting dude. And he's not with the propaganda stuff, right? Um, if you look at some of the documentary stuff that he's done, I think that he would actually say that he has tried to be a voice of reason within the spectacle that we've been talking about tonight. So um, as much as I'm tempted to say Jim Morrison, I would actually say Oliver Stone. There you go. If you want to see some really good commentary on what the spectacle can do in our life, watch the movie Natural Born Killers. Hmm. Oliver Stone directed. That's a good one. Written by Quentin Tarantino. Perfect fucking movie right there. It's
1: just murder, man. All God's creatures do it in some form or another. I mean, you look in the forest. You got species killing other species. Our species killing all species, including the forest. And we just call it industry, not murder. But I know a lot of people who uh, deserve to die. (laughs)
0: Why 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 do they they deserve deserve to die? die? I think everybody got... Something in their past, some sin, some awful
1: secret thing. A lot of people walking around out there already dead, just need to be put out of their misery. <laughs>
0: That's where I come in,
1: fates messenger.
0: Oh, Okay. I feel like we've talked about this enough. We definitely
1: talked about it.
0: Yeah. and <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if we figured anything out.
1: Not a goddamn thing.
0: Celebrities are there to sell us some bullshit and keep us asleep.
1: They're all demons, but some of them are fun to watch and they make you feel tingly in certain areas. That's about all I use them for.
0: Well, the only thing I can say is this show, Truth of Power, is trying to get some people to wake up. And get you feeling tingly in places. And as for today, we thank you for tuning in to Truth of Power. We'll be back next week as we deepen this conversation, as we discuss some other aspects of media um, in another direction completely. I am Curious G and I got my man 30B <laughs> who? oh yeah, gonna me. say goodbye say something man don't leave him hanging
1: I really enjoy the company of animals
0: <laughs> he's not kidding okay this is it <laughs> for the Truth to <laughs> <of> Power podcast <laughs> you know this week thinking about celebrity and mythology, I thought I might discuss one of the biggest celebrities in the world, not just now, but of all time, Jesus. These are the Jesus tales. Please listen with an open mind, fact check, using the Bible or history if that tickles your fancy, but don't take my word for it. These are simply my opinions and sometimes Questions on the topic of Jesus. Like this. Some things I just don't get about baptism. I mean, I get why we submerge ourselves in water to wash off sin. That makes so much sense. However, in the Bible, Jesus got baptized? Why? So Jesus had Sin? (laughs) Man, it doesn't make sense. It's like taking Ray Charles to a silent movie. What's the fucking point? Man, of course you don't get it. You don't read the Bible. See, that was the moment where the Holy Spirit descended onto Jesus like a dove. (laughs) Cool. Water magic. So, let me get this straight. J-Bone was walking around without the Holy Spirit until the point where he was baptized? I thought he was born of the Holy Spirit inside one of those virgin easy-bake ovens. Oh, wait a minute. Did he lose it? Hey, man, my dad was pissed when I lost my NFL lunchbox in the fourth grade. What happens when you lose the Holy Spirit of God? Did this God-man have no Holy Spirit until he was baptized? Did the Holy Spirit have weekends off? That could be why Jesus needed a soul bath, weekend sin. What happens in Damascus stays in Damascus. Did you know this? The letters of the Apostle Paul, which make up most of the New Testament, had been written long before the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like 60 freaking years. Now, with this in mind, why did Paul never mention the virgin birth in all of the previous books of the Bible? (laughs) Seems important. None of the books of the New Testament, except for two of the Gospels, even refer to this miraculous plot point. Man, a virgin birth would get people talking like present Baby Bush winning in the spelling contest, <laughs> people might discuss it. Yet, in Romans chapter 1, verse 3, Paul wrote that Jesus was born of the seed of David. The literal translation from the word seed is sperm. <laughs> what was Joseph doing? Was he fertilizing the God fetus? Was Jesus born from a Holy Spirit-infused virgin or from the seed of Joe the carpenter? Now, here's the catch. If you do read the Old Testament, the prophetic claim throughout the Old Testament is that the Messiah would be born of the seed of David, his descendant. This was clear-cut according to the Old Testament. Clear-cut like, having herpes. The genealogy, in fact, had been recorded in the Bible all the way back to Adam, just to prove it. He begat who and who begat them, and you get the thing. Perhaps that's why the virgin birth is never discussed or even mentioned by Paul. Doesn't fit. Either the prophecy of the Old Testament is bunk, or the virgin birth can't be both. Everyone knows we can't have two baby daddies. Although, it would be the best episode of Springer ever. Who is the baby daddy of Jesus? We will reveal the gospel truth after these messages from our sponsor. Boxed Wine, Blood of Christ edition. Look, man, only two books of the Bible ever discuss a virgin birth in the entire Bible, Matthew and Luke. Suppose they could be confused. (laughs) I know Joseph was. Matthew and Luke also, by the way, have different names on the Jesus family tree. They disagree about Joseph's father, the grandfather of Jesus, which seems kind of recent. So, the Bible is unsure who Jesus' baby daddy is and the Jesus' baby granddaddy. Is Bethlehem the Mississippi of Judea? Perhaps. Anyways, getting back to the virgin birth and the redneck gospels, Mark and John tell the story of Jesus too. You would think that they might have mentioned the virgin birth in the biography of Jesus That's like telling the tale of the World War II and forgetting to mention Hitler. It's like telling us the history of Malcolm X, but leaving out that part of him being black. This is kind of central to the story. Forgetting to mention the Virgin birth would be, I don't know, as big as forgetting to tell us about hell. Oh wait a minute, they did. They forgot to mention hell in the entire Old Testament. Just slipped their minds. The big problem is the Jesus story says, hey man, don't worry about this life here on earth. Your reward is in heaven. Now, in the face of global warming, what I hear is don't worry about the earth. In the face of science, the Jesus story tells the faithful, man, don't listen, don't worry, don't act, have faith, sit back, relax, and trust the process. Man, that sounds a little bit like prison pillow talk to me. (laughs) Don't worry, don't act, have faith, sit back, relax, and trust the process. Yep, that's prison pillow talk. Now I lay me down to sleep. Please don't let scientists speak. We all may die before I wake. Help me sleep through global rape. Amen. I don't know. It's a nice story, I suppose. Jesus, Santa, the Easter Bunny, Ted Nugent. It's all crazy prison pillow talk. Now go to sleep. This has been the Truth Power Podcast, and I am Curious G. Today we got into celebrity worship, and we looked at the spectacle as it is portrayed through our media. Hope you enjoyed this topic. Next week we are going to be looking at journalism and its responsibility with truth. Hope you'll tune in. Have a good week. The stage set light the lights. These lines, new world pride We've seen the story, we bought the tale Hook, line, sink, impale Dream in terms of sleeping B-screen, scented love Vacant heat, angels Glittering, abhor, celebrity